It's Monday, November 13th, 2023, and I'm Dave Sobel. One thing to know today. Today's episode was recorded last week at ConnectWise's IT Nation and is a timely review of the current state of the mergers and acquisitions market for MSPs, with Abraham Garver, Managing Director at Focus Investment Banking. We discussed the current state of the market, and Abe gives some timely insights into current conditions. I wanted you to have this information right away. This is the business of tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Dave Sobel here with another bonus episode of The Business of Tech. I'm back with Abraham Garver of Focus Investments. He is a return frequent flyer here because we love getting insights into the market dynamics. Abe, thanks for joining me. Absolutely, Dave. It's, I, I always enjoy our conversations. It's me? like, I mean, it's I could just, I, I love it. I always look forward to this because you've got really great insights into what's going on, particularly with Thanks. the M&A market and the growth of some of the larger MSPs. So yes. give me a quick high level. It's November 2023. What are we seeing right now in the market? Yeah, and I'll, I'll, if it's okay, I'll start with, um, uh, as background, we have uh, been the catalyst for and advised on MSP transactions with 74 parties over the past four years. So we really have a nice perspective kind of like leading into being able to answer that question. It is a, um, you know, the market is definitely changing and I, you know, I really appreciate having, I think it's great to never have bubbles. Um, I prefer to, for there to be an efficient market kind of working at all times. And I would describe the current market as we have 150 private equity groups with $13.2 billion of committed capital. 75 of those, actually 76 as of this week, don't have an MSP platform investment and they want to make a first time uh, platform investment. And then we have 75 private equity backed platforms that um, have private equity money and want to be doing add-ons. So we have 150 very sophisticated buyers with $13 billion ready to write checks. And that group, I would tell you, over the past um, six months, nine months this year, they have not, they have, they're watching interest rates go up 5%, but it's not, it's, it has not hurt demand. It hasn't hurt demand because they have $13 billion that they can stroke a check. At some point, they'll get leverage and they'll, you know, kind of add, add that to increase the investment returns, but right now, um, in the lower end of the market that I would say would be 7 million of EBITDA and below, it's, it, it really hasn't hurt valuations, but that's changing. And it's just changing as of the past week to 10 days. Um, even as of this morning, we got a data point. Um, one of the uh, facilitators in the Evolve IT Nation and their 600 peer groups one of the facilitators sent an email um, to a group of us that kind of listened to his comments and he said, in my group, um, three quarters of the people in my group 
are reporting that they're not going to hit their revenue and EBITDA budgets for the year. Um, it kind of sounds funny. It kind of gives me the chills. Like it's it is a it's a view into what may be to come, and what that means. What when I hear that, what it means is inevitably the valuation. Even though the market is kind of behaving differently with all this capital chasing it, inevitably when revenue and EBITDA goes down, the valuation is going to go down. So I'm concerned, even in the midst of way too much money chasing these like houses in a high good public school district neighborhood, I'm concerned that multiple factors are now, and I've never said this until actually today and the first time on a call, I'm concerned that valuations may be coming down. So what, is that, what would that look like? Like just, and obviously it's crystal ball and I know that, yeah. <laughs> but, but give me a sense of what the, the range is now and what it might look like with an increased interest rate pressure. Yeah, so 15 of EBITDA, which is kind of what the first, you know, kind of private equity group is working towards, has traded pretty, pretty routinely at 15 um, times, um, 15 times EBITDA. So if I bring 15 million to market, I'm going to get 15x for it. And so at the top, it, you know, in the larger side of the market, what that means is that um, if I bring 15, I'm a EBITDA. I'm probably maybe I'm coming down as much as definitely a turn, and maybe two turns down. Um, and then that has a cascading effect down to the market from 750k of EBITDA all the way up to 6 million of EBITDA. If those building if I need if I can't sell this later at 15x, it really puts the first impact is felt here at 15 because of interest rates. The second impact is felt where a lot more of the transactions happen which is kind of 750k to 6 million of EBITDA. There's more the PE buyers will say, well, I don't know I'm going to be able to get, like the Thrive transaction that kicked off a lot of this was a uh, 20 million of EBITDA was brought to market and they got 17.8x. Um, and the return to the private equity group was 5.25 times cash. And that really you know, that helped create a stampede of private equity groups that said, I want 5X, I want 5X, I want 5X. And so there, there could be, a re, you know, there could be a retracement where there's now, interest rates didn't really hurt us. I do think they hurt us at the 10, 7, 8 million above. But now if our underlying businesses, because all the customers, interest rates went up 5%, they hurt all the customers that we've got in these vertical agnostic MSPs. And they um, now, now sitting here being the MSP, my business is worth less because my customers are hurting. And until my customers aren't hurting, my valuation's probably going down. So I feel like we're in, you know, it's really, it's like developing daily. Like this email came out, the smor it was in this morning or yesterday, yesterday morning's email. So I want to let's layer on something else on there to try okay. and make predictions because one of the thing, the trends, and I know we've talked about this a little bit, is yeah. the what I'm calling the narrowing middle, yeah. right? So particularly with all of the the investment that we've seen 
private equity-backed MSPs, according to the newest service leadership data that came out, yeah. are outperforming the average MSP. And that's a, that's a nice change for those that have invested. And that's also creating a lot of these growth accelerating, I hesitate to use large, but let's call them substantial platform MSPs. Yeah. And then we also have the large population of the typical MSP that I always talk about, the, the sub $10 million in revenue, the sub $5 million in revenue being the bulk of that. There's a growing gap in the middle of the ones that, that have not you know, hit light speed. And that also means there's less for the platforms to buy. Is that continuing? Is that gonna change a little bit based on the dynamic of what we're seeing with interest rates? What, what are you seeing in that middle band about what's available on the market? And part of the reason there's not, you're exactly right, part of the reason there's not a lot in the middle of the market is like many in 2020 when a number of platforms were put in, um, they're now, they might've started at 3 million of EBITDA and they're now at 10. Um, three years later, they're at 10 and the owner is saying, we're killing it. We've been buying our multiple down. Um, by doing these add-ons, everything is really starting to work. This is, we're minting money. One platform owner told me, Abe, I think if we can wait another 18 months, we can add another 70 million of value. And so like there's basically these investors and the MSP platforms are seeing things are going really well. They don't want to get out. So they're causing the scarcity of assets because they're kind of in between the trade. <clears throat> and they need to be held three years by a private equity group for the private equity group to get uh, better tax treatment um, on what's called their carried interest. In the same way we, you and I get capital, long-term capital gains after one year, the private equity group gets better capital gains after three. Um, so that's also kind of keeping it there. Um, here's, I'm gonna flag, and this may be for those of you that are in the market with these larger assets, um, you know, this may be one of the most important things I say. These larger assets that are, you know, it would appear from service leadership that they're doing great, but I, would, I will tell you that in conversations with um, businesses that were considering to be platforms and add-ons, I hear a lot, in fact, in one situation I know of, I've heard four different MSPs in different parts of the country say, this company, I'm getting ready to take two or three of their customers. This same company, and I hear, like, I didn't ask, not out there asking, but like, if I hear three or four people saying, oh yeah, that company, that PE back platform, I'm about to get this, I'm about to, and so there is a huge risk when those go to sell, if they've had employee churn and customer churn, um, they might be right on the doorstep of a transaction and I know one trying to do that. And when they, at the very end of this long process, they're gonna be customer calls. And if those, if this is right and this, this platform is gonna have 10 massive customers like defect, right around this time, there's some potentially, um, we, we haven't seen the end of this movie, is I guess what I would, you know, what I would say. 
Well, a bit of a cliffhanger. I actually want to ask, because you've done some real work in getting insights into the MSPs that are out there and the ones that are available and the, the buying. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing with MSP Market Maker. Yes, thanks. Um, so MSP Market Maker, this is, um, you know, our experience on the line with all these front line with all these transactions, we said in the same way we kind of started out with MSP 501 list, the CRN 500 list, and everybody copies and pastes and figure out like, okay, how do I contact the owner? And like to help facilitate a more efficient market, more efficient M&A market, um, our team sat back and you know just kind of said, what could we do to really help the community? And this came from, we do lunch and learns for IT Nation Evolve. And in every lunch and learn I go into, I'll give the 12 people, the peer group members, an Excel spreadsheet of these are um, targets and email addresses and names you can call in sort by state. And these are people you should get to know. Maybe invite them to an Evolve meeting. Um, don't necessarily call them and say, hey, I want to buy you and be, but be a little, you know, little more tact. Um, from that, we decided, um, and it's cascaded into, we've spent about half a million dollars of our own money, if you can believe it, um, on a suite of technology tools, MSP Market Maker, um, to help make it more, the whole proce process of M&A for MSPs more efficient. And, is, and so are people self-registering? How's the information getting into the database? So we've had a pre-registration period, and what are we up to on registrations? 300, 300 I think 74 um, MSPs and private equity groups have pre-registered. As we've um, had the pre-registration open as we've been building the platform, and we're going to um, officially launch it here at IT Nation um, in a uh, M&A mixer at 5.30 tomorrow, tomorrow evening, and kind of it'll be live. We, um, and yeah, just just incredible tool. And I think we we have done some stuff to be able to show uh, your audience what it looks like in kind of you know even a brief brief demo. So our list our listeners able to sort of sign up and register information if they're interested in selling. What, what who are the kinds of people that should go visit the the site? Yes. So this um, we have different functionality. So one part is called MSP Radar, and MSP Radar lets you look in depth at four thousand six hundred MSPs globally. Um, so Europe, kind of Australia, um, and you can search by number of employees and a lot of other key, like when the business was founded. So if I want one that's operationally mature, I may go back 15 years or more. Um, so users can find targets to help, um, you know, perhaps add to their M&A pipeline, um, do a merger of equal. Uh, and then a second, you know, huge part of the functionality is that 13.4 of private equity money is all mapped. So all of our, you know, inside baseball on who is out there ready to put money to work is in MSP Market Maker. It's called Capital Compass. Is that that portion? So if, if we're thinking about the those bot, those PE investors, and they're, they're, you said there's a lot out there that are trying to build platforms, like give me a little bit of a sense of what they're shopping for, yeah. and and kind of what what the kinds of and how they're looking at MSPs in terms of making decisions about where they want to put their capital. 
Great question. So they're looking for, their, it's all a function of the size of the fund. So it's almost like if you think of um, somebody buying a home, it's going to be a function of what they're, how much money they take home. These funds are, in general, 500 million, um, a billion, a billion five, and largest one about four billion that we're working with. And the four billion fund can't buy a 2.5 million EBITDA MSP platform. They really need, call it 15 million minimum, maybe 20, 25 million. And so it's all a function of the buyer, like the buyer has is gonna make 10 platform investments per fund. So however much they raise, divide it by 10, and they gotta deploy that into, and that's gonna determine, we then back into how big of an asset they need to buy. And if there are no assets that, like one of our buy side clients wants 25 million of EBITDA, and there's only five or six of those, so we then go get a 15 and a 10, do a merger of equal, and voila, they have their 25. And so that same thing is happening in, I would say the most demand is for five to six of EBITDA for a new platform, and they don't exist, so we have to do a merger of equal. Simultaneous merge and close, they don't need to be integrated. We show up with both assets. They've usually been in the same um, peer group, um, so there's a cultural fit, tech stack fit, um, strategic fit, and that meets the the private equity group is, uh, you know, they're high-fiving themselves because they, they're like, finally an asset they've been trying over and over and they don't exist. So we have to create them. That's an interesting subtlety. So, so tell me a little bit about, like, the t kinds of creations that you can do. Because, yeah. because a lot of people might say, well, I'm not five, you know, million in, in EBITDA. But yeah. what you've just sort of said is, is, well, you can put, you know, pieces together, a bit like Legos, right, yeah. and assemble a bit. Talk, talk to me about the kinds of assembly that you can do. I think the coolest, one of the coolest ones we did um, was called Project Top Gun that was announced in February. And it was, uh, we called it Maverick and Goose, were the two parts. Um, and Maverick and Top Gun because the founders, one of the founder CEOs is a private pilot. Um, and Maverick uh, had done M&A and grew through M&A and integration. And then Goose had grown 100% organically, never done any M&A. So basically, same peer group, four years, we got the, so the new investor got a founder CEO who's great at M&A and integration and a founder CEO who's great at um, organic. And so put together, you know, the business was almost 6 million of EBITDA and, you know, wouldn't have been close to that one or the other by themselves not a standout, but when assembled together like that in the same peer group, it was highly competitive and it was a one river, uh, Riverside um, that did logically one. It was a $1.7 billion new fund and you know, off to the races. So if an MSP listen, uh, owner is listening right now, what would, yes. what would you sort of tell them, you know, hey, I'm starting to think about selling, doing some more, or, or want to, to grow the business. What would be the one thing you would want to tell them right now about what's going on? I would say um, you want to get into the market once with one real buyer, and you want to really, you don't, I just got off a call, and they've been building for 20 years, and they've never come into the market. And it's like, well, how do you know what you're building. And they're kind of saying to me, well, we think we're gonna go another half year or year. 
and we still have this to do and that to do and it's like for what you don't even is there even a buyer that wants to buy that so i think the faster everybody even from the start gets into what what are the buyers looking for and then you can build to what like how can you it's like shooting basket basketballs with you know with uh yeah blindfold on i think you gotta i think you have to understand what who you're building for and what they want and the faster you understand that then you know how to map out and grow your business but i it it, uh that so that would be my advice is like get into a situation um and that can look like a lot of different things it could be uh to get connected with one of the historically lowest bidders in the market um, and let them make you an offer and kind of tell you what you like and what you don't. Or it could be to talk to a more reasonable buyer that might be in the middle, or it could be to run an auction process and say, here's a whole bunch of different options. And But I think getting to the, if, if at some point the goal is to sell, you gotta talk to the buyers. Uh, it's great advice because you always have to remember companies are bought, yes, not sold, not sold. <laughs> and oftentimes we have to remember that. Well, I really yeah. appreciate you joining me. I love me. hanging out with you, Dave. It's, me, I love talking. It's always fun. Well, me too. Abe, thanks for joining me, Dave. It's yeah. been great fun. Awesome. Thanks for listening today. National Hug a Musician Day, which seems awful specific to me. We'll be back tomorrow with our daily news format. The Business of Tech is written by me, Dave Sobel, under ethics guidelines posted at businessof.tech. This episode was edited and produced by Picture This Video. If you like the content, please make sure to hit that like button and follow and subscribe. It's the free and easy way to support the show and help us grow. You can also check out our Patreon, where you can join the Business of Tech community at patreon.com slash mspradio or buy our Why Do We Care merch at businessof.tech. Finally, if you're interested in advertising on the show, visit mspradio.com slash engage. Thanks for listening today, and I will talk to you again on the next episode of the Business of Tech. Part of the MSP Radio Network.